This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Women are ever-changing as you go through your cycle each month and as your hormones fluctuate. Heather Wilcott teaches us what is happening hormonally in the body each week of our menstrual cycle, as well as how to eat, exercise, and leverage our emotions to create balance and a deeper connection to our female body. You will know the optimal weeks to fast versus feast, lift heavier weights versus hit, write a book versus give a TED Talk, and much more based on how different your body is each week of your cycle. Valeria interviews Heather Wolcott. She is a national board-certified health and wellness coach, an ADAPT-certified functional health coach through the Kresser Institute, and has over 20 years of experience as a holistic nutritionist, working one-on-one with clients to help them achieve their health and wellness goals. She was also a Johnny G certified spinning instructor and worked in the fitness industry for 20 years. Her expertise is in using functional medicine's approach to finding the root cause of her clients' issues and helping them optimize the four pillars of health, which include sleep, stress, mindset, movement, and nutrition in their lives. She also has deep passion and knowledge on longevity and anti-aging protocols in attempt to help people avoid cognitive decline, neurodegeneration, and improve their health span. Heather partners with people who desire change and want more out of the life they are living so they can grow into newer versions of themselves and reach their wellness goals. She lives in Franklin, Tennessee with her husband and two kids and works with people across the country. Meet Heather at heatherwolcott.com. Here's the interview with Heather Wolcott. Your own words, who is Heather Wolcott? Well, you know, we all have our bios. So we have our careers and our jobs, and I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach, and I'm an ADAPT certified functional health coach, but I'm also a mom and a wife and a friend and a just a busy person. So I like to think that I'm not just, um, you know, a career person. I'm not just a health coach that as a health coach, I can also wear lots of other hats. So I think at the end of the day, if someone if someone were to ask me really, you know, what do you do? I'd say, well, I'm a mom. That's mm-hmm. I think in my heart, that is my yeah. most important job and my most important role. Mm-hmm. But I do love working with people and I do love health and wellness. So the health and wellness space as a health coach is a beautiful place to be in because I can help people in lots of different ways through really meaningful conversations and 
ask curious questions and um, just share with them my experiences and my knowledge. So I guess I'm a lot of things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That's what defines a human being in a way, right? It's very multifaceted. So since you brought that up, I have a question for you. Uh, what do you love most about being a mother? I just equate being a mother with love. I just love my kids. And I remember when, before I had kids, talking with a friend of mine who was about 10 years older than me and had younger kids. And I couldn't imagine why people would want a mm. lot of kids. It seemed really stressful mm. and hectic. And I remember her saying that every time she had another baby, she grew another heart mm. and that you never... Mm run out of space in your heart. And I just mm. see kids and being a mother, an opportunity to love in an unconditional way, in a way that people aren't loved by other people. Like your mom loves you differently than anybody else. Right. So I'd uh, love to say that's where my heart grows is just being there for them, loving them unconditionally, being their cheerleader, um, being their listener. It's the best. I'm not a mother, so it seems like I won't have that experience. <laughs> mm. But I did ask somebody here, actually, like, am I missing something? Am I missing something important, actually, by not being a mother? And I remember she's saying, no, you can also create. Being a mother, it's creation, it's part of creation. So creating is also a type, it's a different kind of being a mother, but it is. I agree. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's, it sounds really beautiful to me. I talk to a lot of mothers here and I have, of course, friends and family. My, my sister's a mother. So it's interesting to see the love. It's very unique. You're right. So another open question for you, Heather, is the idea of health. What is to be a healthy person? How would you describe that? Oh, that's a great question because our society, I think, puts health in a bit of a tunnel. Yes. And yeah. we look at yeah. health a lot of different ways as a society that I don't think is always accurate. We look at just body shape and body size. And if we are, you know, if we don't have a disease, you know, yes, we might right. help. Yeah. And I love the spokes or like the wheel of health. When you look at your physical health, emotional, spiritual, financial, relational, um, you know, there are just so many aspects to touch on when it comes to health and how you define being healthy. So you could be a person who's, you know, eating all the right things, exercising every day, but you have no relationships or community, you have no spiritual practice, and you're, you know, maybe you're lonely or you're stressed. And I wouldn't define that person as healthy. I think there's more to it. So yes, our physical health and well-being um, is so crucial. And I think, you know, it's kind of it, it, those touch upon the other parts of our health. So when we're not feeling well and we're dealing with low energy or, you know, pain or disease in some way, when our physical health isn't good, it, it definitely affects our relationships. I mean, that's, that's just obvious. It, it puts a strain on other people in our lives who want to, who have to care for us. Um, it's hard to excel at your job when you don't feel good. So I think our physical health is important, but to define health as just that, I think, is missing such a huger component of what true health looks like. Yes. So there are many aspects. I think you, you, you mentioned that, I believe it was in your bio. Yes, about the, the four pillars of health, right? Sleep, yeah. stress, mindset, movement, nutrition. Now we just mentioned spiritual practices. You caught my attention immediately with that spiritual. So what is your understanding of spirituality? 
Ooh, that's a big one. I think there are lots of ways to define that. For me personally, you know, I'm a Christian, and so my relationship with with God is number one. It's even above being a mom. You know, that has to come first. And so for me, you know, I personally don't even use the word when I'm describing myself. I I don't think I would use the term spiritual. I I think I would use the term you know my faith and my Christianity, my belief system. But for people, I think to use the term just you know, being spiritual or having spirituality, it's just acknowledging that there is greater power and there's a, a, you know, I believe there's a creator that put all this into motion. Um, I just, I can't wrap my head around how all this just happened by happenstance. (laughs) You know, I just, you know, we, we see the art that humans can create this beautiful Mm -hmm. art in so many different ways. And to think that there wasn't a power greater than us that created, you know, the universe is just, that blows my mind. Yes. As you speak, I'm just reflecting here. Yes. Right. And my understanding is a bit different now. I was Catholic in Brazil uh-huh. and all that, but I kind of lost contact with it because of the suffering I went through. And then I used to ask for God to help me as a child. It never really I didn't feel like God came to help me. And then mm-hmm. that kind of was an interesting journey, let's say. I wrote a book about it actually too, included that. So when you speak of God, I know I have spoken to a lot of Christians and my husband is a Christian himself. So, mm-hmm. but I, I noticed that people have different ideas of what, what and who is God. So I usually ask that question too. If you don't mind, Heather, what is your understanding of God? This question is amazing. Um, it's interesting. I just finished a six, is it six or eight week? I can't remember. A Bible study at my church, and it was on the names of God and different um, roles that He is and and who He is. And so, I don't think our human brains can even comprehend God. Uh, you know, my little girl when she was, I, it was just maybe last year, so she was eleven or twelve, came into our room in the middle of the night. She couldn't fall asleep and she just started talking about how she starts thinking about God and how it's so big and she's like, it's just so overwhelming. Like, I don't understand how all of this just all works out together. Mm, and yeah. and so I think, you know, I think God is, um, I do believe he's our creator. He's our father and, um, you know, who and, and what he is, is, just, I think, beyond our human comprehension of something so vast. But I do believe with my whole heart that he loves unconditionally and that he loves so greatly and so abundantly. And I know people have, you know, burdens and they, you know, they're told to pray. And and so they'll, they'll talk to God and God doesn't, you know, answer it when or how they want. And and I think sometimes we don't realize that God can take a long time to act suddenly. And sometimes we don't mm. pay attention to God's timeline. Mm. Like that it mm. doesn't always have to, you know, God's timeline is probably not our timeline. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. we give up and we move on mm. and we don't allow him to uh, maybe do what he was planning on because we've shut the door. So, you mm. know, I don't know. I mean... Who knows? I don't know for real, but I do believe nothing falls on deaf ears with him. So, yeah, there was something about unconditional love when you mentioned that about for your children. That kind of resonates with me. Speaking of uh, the idea of God, the concept of God, 
that loves us unconditionally to the point of letting us experience life to the fullest, mm-hmm. which includes suffering. Yeah, that's the question that I usually ask you to, to some people. Like, how do you make sense of suffering? You know, the tragedies mm-hmm. and the horrible things that happen. I mean, then I get different answers. But from my view, it's really now more than ever, I believe the word it sounds a little harsh, but it's not in a pejorative way. It's ignorance, not, mm-hmm. not knowing that connection, not knowing that God, the the God that you speak of, and the God, it's which is not different to the one that I that I know it's here, which is the essence of everything. It's always here. It's always here. So there's something about love and freedom that connects to the idea of God to me. And then by not knowing that we are free to experience everything, it's almost like being a child. Like as a mother, you just let your children explore the world. And learn for themselves, right? Because you don't want to tell them what to do (laughs) along the way. That wouldn't be a full experience, I believe. I don't know. That's how I see it, Heather. Oh, I love that. And that what just came to my mind, Valeria, is that image of the helicopter mom who's just Mm -hmm. always hovering over her kid and not letting him fall, find the tree, and not letting him (laughs) put in his mouth, (laughs) you know, or touch a dirty animal. And I don't think God parents us like that. God Mm. lets us climb the tree and fall and hurt our knees. And he lets us eat the stuff that makes us get sick. Mm. You know? <laughs> and I think that's because when I think about my own kids, I knew they needed to have those experiences. They needed to get, you know, a, a bruised up knee and, a, and banged up a little bit so that they can learn from that. And that there's always, there's always a learning and a teachable moment in life and in failures or when we fall. And I think God loves us so much that he allows us to, to fall and to, get bruised knees, but he's always there just as I would be with my kids. He's always there when we need to get up, always there with the outstretched hand. And sometimes we just don't, we don't reach for it. And sometimes we do. Yes. Yes. Well, I I don't know if you believe in different lifetimes, but it seems like we have more opportunities to learn according to some spiritual philosophies like Buddhism. I'm studying a student of Vedanta, which is a non-duality Hindu philosophy, but that's a bit different. They don't talk about reincarnation that much. Mm. But I know in Buddhism, I used to study them too. They do. So there's something about what you said that connects to something that I read on your website on the philosophy, my philosophy of care. You say, I believe that you are really your own expert and truly know the answers to many of your own questions. So that in a way, I, I don't know, I will ask you the question in the end, but but there's something uh, about what we just talked about that if God is always here and allows us to kind of go out and have fun and play and explore, it's almost like it knows, I kind of try not to call God he or she, or he <laughs> especially. So, but then it knows that we will find a way. It's so much that there is this innate trust there that we will will. We'll find our way back home. It's almost like something like that as a metaphor. So talk to me about this idea, the philosophy that you have of care. I love the way you say that too, my philosophy of care, that we can find our own answers when it comes to health. Yeah, I think that we have stopped learning how to use our intuition and listen to our bodies. I think we're very disconnected to our bodies because we are flooded more now than ever with Um, experts and media and information and Dr. Google and 
just we can we have we have access to so much that we just listen to everyone else's voices about our bodies and we don't pay attention to how we actually feel. We also numb ourselves now with distractions, with various forms of, you know, medicating ourselves, whether that's social media and just, you know, kind of zoning off a little bit. Um, but also with poor nutrition, with some for some people, it, it is, you know, actually alcohol or marijuana or drugs. We just don't want to feel all the time. And I think when we are asked questions by someone else who's just acting curiously, you know, how does that make you feel? Where in your body do you feel this stress or this anxiety or... Um, you know, where do you think this comes from in your life? And they actually just pause and have space to answer those questions. They start paying more attention. So when I'm coaching my clients, um, I am not the expert by any means. They are fully and truly their own experts. I ask them questions. I reflect what I hear. I'm curious, but I give them a lot of space and a lot of time to just pause and, and to think about stuff. And that's where I find the beauty in health coaching is in the space. Um, I don't think a lot of times in our lives throughout our day, do we just have space and time to think about how we're feeling about something? What's happening with our body? What, what are we noticing? Because we're rushing and we're busy. And so that's my approach is to allow my clients to tap into their own knowledge. They also know their body better than I do. They know their bodies better than their doctors do. And we just don't believe that. We believe that the doctors are the experts and what they say has to be. And that's not always correct. Mm, so true. So in a way, we are transferring responsibility, right, Heather? Yeah. Yes. That, that's, that's a huge one, too, to give to somebody else when we are our own, the, the experts of our own bodies. I absolutely agree. Yeah, we give up our power. You know, r real quick side story. I had both of my kids as home births uh, oh, back in wow. Arizona. And yeah. for me, I just, I was too scared to go to a hospital. I thought, I don't want to go to a hospital <laughs> and lose my power. I don't want to be told mm. I need this drug and they're going to have to do this. And I need that because I'll know, I, I'll, I'm going to know, I know my body well enough to trust this process. That's the most natural I mean, it's like how we are still on the planet is we know how to give birth, right? Ah, that's amazing. And it's kind yeah. of similar, you know, yes. just to trust yourself, trust your body mm -hmm. and to not lose your power ah, and give it to somebody else. That's a beautiful message that we need to, to know and to be reminded of. How did you learn that? Is that were you guided to become more intuitive about your own body and yourself or this is something? How? Do, yeah, I would love to know how, how you learned to become who you are. Well, I think we all have our stories and our experiences. And when I was, let's see, in my 20s, I moved to Arizona, started a job. I was an eighth grade English teacher and a track coach. And I taught spinning classes and I was kind of doing the thing. And then I got really interested in holistic health and nutrition. Just fast. I was always fascinated and interested in it, but I was an adult now. And it's like, oh, I can actually like do this. You know, yes. I'm like, yes. make a decision. And so a very long story made short is I just started pursuing holistic nutrition and um, started my master's in holistic in, in, a, in, in a master's in holistic nutrition. And it's just once you start learning about the body and so many 
resources we have, just our environment or or within ourselves, right? Like breathing and movement and that it's like, wow, the, the body is amazing. And I don't have to listen to a doctor every single time to tell me what's wrong with me. I can probably figure this out a little bit on my own. And so, you know, the more we go through our own healing journeys, you know, I had my own little healing crisis when I did some, you know, I tried I was a raw vegan and then this and then that. And, you, you know, you try all these things and you start feeling and you start noticing. And as you experiment, you just hate you. It's like you start like this little journal in your head of of who you are and what your body likes and what it doesn't like. And I just I think from that moment on, my early 20s, mid, my mid 20s, really, it just um, it just evolved and grew the more I learned about functional health and functional medicine, which is you know, it's a root cause. It's just looking at, okay, so you have this issue, but why, you know, the cure is in the cause. Let's go back a few layers. What? And so I think when you look at the body as that kind of incredible system, you just start to pay more attention to it. Mm, Yes, that's true. It takes experience, right, Heather? It's not something that we learn just in theory. We need to go through something. I remember interviewing somebody that was a long time ago, and she said, your body's running the show, not your mind. That I never forgot that. But there's something about the body. I guess we have easier access to it because it's so obvious, I guess. It's so honest, right? The mind changes too much. So it's kind of not as tangible per se. But there's something else. Like for me now, it's easy to see how everything is connected. There's nothing that's separate anyway. All these components, they are actually one, they're working together. And when one seems to be out of balance, it's because the other one, one of the other components or more, they are kind of not working properly, or maybe we're not aware of them. As you mentioned earlier about all the, the pillars, the, the yeah. spirituality and all that. But there's something about the interconnectedness of of all this that includes life itself that fascinates me. I, mm. see, I see everything as a whole. I have a hard time kind of separating things. And maybe that's why it's not as easy for me. I'm in tune with my body, but it's not it's not easy for me to focus on one thing, only yeah. in the mind, only in the body. I kind of put everything together and I blend everything together in a way. Do you have any comments to make about that, Heather? Does it make yeah. sense to you in a way? No, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that's really beautiful that you that you see your body as a whole because Western medicine sees our bodies in parts and in organ systems, right? You go to the the heart doctor and the kidney doctor and the, you know, I, it, we just, we have um, compartmentalized the human body and it's not um, a bunch of different compartments. <laughs> it's everything speaks to the other parts. So, you know, if you cut off your hand, the rest of your body is going to have a problem with that. You know, right. it doesn't just yes. like solve that one problem. Yes. And so the fact that you just yes. probably intuitively and just and see it that way is really beautiful. And that's what I, you know, I hope for my clients to do as well as we, you know, when I work with them is to see how so many things are connected and why this one part of their life that they want to, you know, perform better in or they want better outcomes in is really dependent on so many other parts of their lives. You can't just change one thing. You have to start with one thing. Now, there's you can't start with everything. And that's where people also get a little, you know, confused. It's they see they want everything to be a holistic approach. So they want to change five things at once. And then 
that's that's harder, right? Um, so sometimes to change everything, you still have to just start with one thing, but you don't just stick with that one thing. You you keep moving through the other systems or the other parts. Yeah, that's what the word holistic. That's what it means, right, Heather? Just yeah, it's working, taking everything in consideration, but working with one part of, at a time. Although it, it, we call it part, but it's not really separate. It's just saying, Correct. like you said, it's saying the heart, but it's part of the body. It's not right. something that's separate from everything else. So let's talk about the main topic, actually. It's, that's about how to leverage your emotional state during your cycle. What a, a fascinating topic when I came across because it has been my own experience. I'm 47, I'll be 47 soon. I have seen the chains, have noticed the chains. Wow, it it really has been affecting me a bit more. The the body has been affecting the mind actually a bit more when it comes to hormones, the the cycles before. And now it's actually because it's, it seems like I'm perimenopause. Yeah, so it's yeah. all over the place. It's not yep. consistent anymore. And it's just, I would say, I, would not, I wouldn't say that's a mess, but it's <laughs> an interesting mess. Very interesting yeah. because I pay attention. I see the what the body's doing. So I have a lot of compassion, even for the for the process. It's just very interesting, yeah. this movement. So talk to me how you actually got started with this, because it sounds like a very specific topic. And I know you started with a webinar called How to Use Your Cycle to Have an Awesome Life. So <laughs> I would like to know that. How did you, yeah, how did you come across this whole subject? Yeah, yeah, the title was kind of fun to play around oh, yeah. with. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, you know, just being in the functional health space, I have just, there are a lot of female doctors and male doctors who I, you know, kind of, you know, everyone has their gurus in their, in their field that they really listen to and, and respect and appreciate the work that they do. And it just seems like there were a lot of women in the functional health space who were just addressing hormones and perimenopause and menopause and and the topic just kept coming up and I just kept, you know, getting sound bites and, and clips off of Instagram and through different podcasts. And I just wanted to dive deeper on the topic. And because I'm also, you know, kind of right there with you in the, we won't call it that we're a mess. It's, <laughs> yes. No. It's just a little messy, right? It it's is. Little- <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. Honestly, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so because it was relevant and personal to me, and I think in pretty much any aspect of our lives, but especially in health and wellness, you kind of, you go down the road that you're on because that's the road you're on. So you want to get, figure out your best outcomes for yourself and for the people that you're helping. So, you know, I had a vested interest in learning more about the topic and I just dove in and I just started researching. I was invited to speak at a local, um, locally here in, in Franklin, Tennessee, and I didn't have a topic at the time. I had just finished a sleep optimization webinar that was really popular. And so I'm like, well, I can't use that. So I need a new topic. And this, and I knew I was going to be speaking to a group of women who were going to be in my demographic. And I just thought, let's just go all in on this topic. So I just started researching and, you know, my background in, in health and wellness really encompasses a lot of fitness and nutrition and, and the emotional component of it. So I just started looking into you know, the, the webinar is like week by week, you know, what is happening in our body? Because, you know, sixth grade health class is really the only time you learn this, when, you know, the boys and girls go in different classrooms and you learn about the, you know, the sex, um, the sex hormones and all the things. And then it never gets talked about again in health class. And so it was 
just amazing to me how many women in my in-person webinar or in my in-person presentation, I also then created a webinar for it, um, had no idea about some of the fundamentals of their cycle, of their menstrual cycle, or what's, you know, what is perimenopause? What is even happening to me right now? And so I love when I can bring information and resources to people on the things that they are just hungry for, or that they just don't have a lot of information on. So I just started diving into the topics of our cycle. And the way I broke it down was looking at, you know, what's happening week by week. And if you're having a four week cycle, um, how do we move our bodies? You know, what exercise is optimal week by week, according to the hormones? Nutrition and food, what foods, what macronutrients are really important week by week based on our hormones? And then what's just happening emotionally in our brains, again, based on our hormones? When estrogen is high and progesterone is low, we're in a totally different space and place than when that's flipped. So I think when we understand that as women, we understand that our body is not working against us, it's not trying to make our lives miserable. And that we have this incredible, very delicate, in, integrated system that's complex, that works beautifully for a reason. And there's a reason why every week in our cycle happens, or you know, it, they're really not weeks; they're kind of time time segments. I I blocked them off as weeks to make it easy, but when we can appreciate that. We just, I think, love our bodies more, and we can love ourselves more, mm. especially at this time of our lives. Mm, yes. Wow. A billion times. Yes. To the beautiful message of appreciation of, of the change, right? It seems like we don't really like change. The mind, there's something about change that we rebel against it. Most of us, in, and especially when it comes to diseases or death, even to me, that's how I see death as a change. So I, I noticed that there's, it's almost like, like a taboo. Some people don't want to talk about that. That kind of change, which is inevitable. We know what happened to all of us. But when it comes to the cycle, the menstrual period, we all, I mean, we live with that. You know that there, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in Brazil, it started a long time ago, was a gynecologist, I believe, or a scientist. I don't remember who, what he was exactly. Anyway, he started this movement to end the period in women. And he actually succeeded. He came up with this protocol, it was like a surgical protocol, and tons of women just signed up for it. It would actually stop them from having the periods. And one of his arguments was that that you know his wife was changing so much throughout the that time of the of the month that he couldn't kind of manage her. And then he he came up with that idea. And a lot of women signed up for it. And I have, actually have a friend who, who did the procedure. I think it's reversible. You can, I think she did because she had a child after. Yeah, it is reversible. But what do you think about that? I know he's a male, but then there are some women, actually, my mother too, she doesn't like, and I have heard other women saying that, that they don't like the period. So I think that comes from lack of knowledge. When we don't understand something fully, Yes. We don't like it. Right. And when we, you know, it's what, with knowledge comes great responsibility mm. and great power. Yes. And yeah. I think as women, maybe a little bit of it is on us. Like we need to understand what's happening in our bodies. And what I highlight in my webinar is that this is a gift. The fact that we are so 
um, complicated <laughs> and intricate is a gift. And it was by design because women hold a very special place in society. And we are not little men. We're not just 24 seven, just, you know, the same day in, day out, day in, day out. And I highlight this in my webinar that we're actually, we are, we're just constantly changing. We're very fluid. And if we understand that, this is how we leverage those, those changes. Like when we know estrogen is high, we should be running with that. We should be doing the podcasts, getting on socializing, spending time with our family, with our best friends, going on our book tours, just you know, use that hormone and ride her as long as she's there. And then when she comes down again and progesterone starts showing up, then we just embrace progesterone and we go inward and we are nesting a little bit and we're a little more contemplative and we are less likely to take risks. Um, We want to just relax a little bit more. And that's the beauty of that cycle is to not be pushing the the pedal to the metal every day of our lives. And so when women don't understand that, they're working against their bodies. And so in putting this webinar and this content together, I was really trying to liberate women through the education, knowing that this is what's happening in your body. It's not a bad thing. It is what it is. And so once you know, then use it to your advantage. That's why, you know, I titled it, How to Use Your Cycle to Have an Awesome Life. You can optimize every week of your hormonal profile if you understand what's happening to, to make your business run better, to make your relationship stronger, to make more money, to, you know, take better care of your health, um, to care for other people better. Cause you know, when your peak time to do that is, and when it's not. And so I think it's beautiful. And I think it's such a shame that women and society and men <laughs> have just put the stamp on us we're on the cycle as this horrible thing. And, you know, God, too bad for you. You have to have this, you know, roller coaster every month. It's like, no, this is amazing. We are incredible. So it makes me sad when um, women just don't appreciate that or they don't know. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, beautifully said. You see, knowledge really dispels ignorance. And that's what I, I mentioned yeah. that word before. Ignorance is very dangerous because it has to do with fear. It's connected to fear, actually. Uh, yeah. saying when, when we don't know something, we, we fear whatever it is, whatever that is. So I remember, I mean, it's so true. I remember talking to my husband about that. And then I think he mentioned yeah, the period again. And he made a comment like this, like almost frustrated. He was frustrated. And then because the personality changed, interesting that you mentioned hormones, personalities. And that's true. It's so true because we know that all of us, if we're in tune with our own bodies, we we see that change. And I remember he, he said, I said, Christopher, you are alive because of that, you know, because of, uh, because yeah, uh, be glad. Yeah, be glad. And he said, not really. We don't need the, you know, the menstrual cycle to, uh, and then that's when I was laughing, like, oh my God, that's how much you know. I mean, it's kind of interesting, Heather, just to see he's 64 years old. And then I was just thinking to myself, I hope that, you know, younger men did just learning these things at an earlier age, you know, like being more educated about how 
women's body. I mean, their own bodies, of course, that I think self-knowledge is, is it's crucial. And then from that, becoming more curious about other people, the other sex, you know, the feminine, how female, female, the female body works. Maybe it's just old generation or he's older and he never got the chance to know these things. But I hope that this is changing. Is it changing really, Heather, actually? I'll ask you. It yeah, is. I think there are a lot of loud voices, strong women's voices coming up in functional health and medicine who are, you know, there are a lot of books on this now, and they're just putting great content out for women. I know the guys are not going to know about this until the women do. Men are not going to be spreading this message. So women really need to get a hold of this and understand so that they can explain to their husband, look, you know, these next 10 days, this is what I need and this is what I don't need. And if he understands that, it's like any relationship. I mean, if he understands that, then he knows, okay, I'm not gonna, this isn't the great week to have this big, hard conversation with her. I'll wait a couple weeks. And you're right. And, and same with mothers and daughters. And so if mothers understand this and pass this on to their daughters, then, you know, hopefully it'll just be a, a ripple. Um, but I do think it's changing. You know, we're in a different generation now where, you know, women definitely have a louder microphone than they did, you know, several decades ago. Um, sometimes that's good and sometimes it might not be good. But in this case, when it's women's health and just to speak up for ourselves and be like, hey, look at how incredible we are. Don't put us in a box and don't tell us that we're crazy or don't tell us that we're moody when you don't understand what's happening and that you know, there are things that you can do to make this better as well. But women need to know how to treat themselves week by week. That's important. Yes, right. Wow. To me, it's the work of not just self-care, self-love, but healing, isn't it? Because we are constantly doing the healing work in a sense of going yeah. deeper and connecting deeper with our own selves. I love that you said that, actually. You used that word, that the, the phrase, deep connection with your own female body. That caught my attention when I saw that because I love the idea of connection, just uh, in, in that sense of of understanding, just curiosity and getting to know more. So I was uh, curious to know about intuition because I didn't. I you sent me the webinar. It was a video, so I couldn't really. I think I took a screenshot, but I didn't bring to this computer. I think you mentioned that intuition because I. I notice when, see, because I'm not systematic like that, having those full weeks, I mean, you just brought that to my attention. I never heard it that way. So this is great knowledge because I'm, I'm was not this way and I'm still not kind of involved in any kind of program that's structured this way. It's more free, intuitive. So I remember when I go, I don't know which week it is, one or two, I'm not sure, the third where this is this desire to kind of be more authentic and just say the things that I need to say. Yeah, talk to me about that. You know, this assertiveness when it comes to emotion, emotional expression. I've become much better at it. Yeah. So would you say that you speak out more with confidence, like you are like clear-minded or that it's um, it's with some with a little bit of a negativity bias, which mm. one would you say? It used to be with some resentment because I was not expre expressing myself, honestly. Like, for example, with my husband mm. saying things that I kind of when he did something that I didn't like, it was not really, let's say, kind. I would just kind of not say anything, not to get him upset. So and that would stay with me. I would suppress that emotion. And then when the mm. period would come, one of those weeks, I uh -huh. would just kind of tell him. 
like straight up how yeah. exactly that. And then the, the, you know, the heaviness was there. Now I'm become, I have been, I've been doing the work, so it's much better these days, but it used to be more in, on a negative note. Now it's lighter, much lighter. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure that's because you just are doing so much work on yourself. It sounds like all the time and you're just in this, you have such a growth mindset. So you've just evolved and, and have learned and, you know, we, when we evolve like that, we grow, then certain things don't seem as extreme anymore. But, you know, during our, so during our, our first week of our cycle, um, hormones are actually relatively low and that's like a really good time to meditate on things. That's when we kind of think about things and we're shedding our lining. And so we're, we're kind of like cleaning the slate. We're, we're, we're scrapping what didn't serve us. And so it's kind of our, our problem solving week thinking about all the things, there's a lot of thinking in our first week. Um, but our second week as estrogen rises, that is when um, we are kind of like operating on all cylinders. Testosterone comes in, estrogen comes in, we speak well, we um, perform well, we're motivated, we get things done. We are feeling our best. Week two, right before we ovulate, is really when we're kind of in our prime. And that's like the best time to have a hard conversation or talk to a boss about something because you have more confidence that the, t- the testosterone and the estrogen combined is kind of like, a, they're like, you know, superheroes and they just kind of make us feel more resilient. Estrogen makes us feel more resilient. So we also feel better physically. Um, our lips are fuller. Our skin's a little brighter. We just, you know, estrogen kind of gives us like natural Botox. She just fills everything out. It makes us feel really good. That's week two, but week three, that's why I asked you, is when we're, so after we ovulate and the hormones come down, they come up for a second peak. And that's when we tend to have a negativity bias on things. So it's in that second half of our cycle, which is a luteal phase, where, you know, as we're getting closer to our cycle, we all feel it. We are a little more introverted. Things bug us more we can ruminate on things and people kind of, everyone kind of annoys you. You know, you just kind of see (laughs) the little little annoying (laughs) things in everyone. (laughs) Now, week three (laughs) and week fours are not the weeks to act upon those things. Those are the weeks that we observe. So they're a little bit more observational weeks where we're paying attention to the parts of our lives or, you know, parts of our relationships that seem to come come up over and over again where something's bugging us. And that's where we tend to see that. And if you think about it from a reproductive state, you know, at that, this second half of our cycle would be if we were to have gotten pregnant, there is a, you know, an egg is trying to implant. And so our body is telling us, just be cautious, be a little skeptical, don't do anything crazy, don't act on anything, just take it all in and nest a little bit, right? We're trying to create a baby or create an implantation. So it's just the way our body's trying to protect us. And then if there is no egg, obviously we shed the lining and we kind of start over again with that week one where it's like, okay, fresh start. Let me think about things again. Let me meditate on stuff. Let me make my lists. What are the things that are important to me? Then we go into week two. Now I'm going to act on them. And so there's this beautiful cycle of observation, collecting our thoughts, gathering our emotions, 
paying attention to what unsettles us in our daily lives, shedding it all as we bleed, meditating on it, bleeding on it. And then on week two, we are engaging with whatever that is and problem solving. Wow. That is so, I mean, so amazing. Awesome, as you use that word, to just listen to you speaking of the cycles. It's really, it kind of makes me think about life itself, right? If we can see it that way, from that perspective, that broader perspective, when we are children, then teenager, then older adults, and then mature, and then really dying, losing the body. And the kind of the preparation. And I mean, it's just really beautiful when we embrace cycles. And you said that on your website, I think you said on, on the webinar, yeah, you said we live our lives in cycles. So everything has to do with cycles. And, and that's true. And you also said something that caught my attention was about men. And I never heard it that way. So for men, it's different, right, Heather? They actually yes. go through. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Um, women's cycles versus men's cycle. Yes, this is where I always start with women are not little men. Yes, in, I like you know, that. in modern health and Western <laughs> yeah. medicine, we just kind of get lumped into the men category when it comes to so many things and we're not yeah. little men. So, yeah. you know, I just kind of highlight the fact that our cycle, let's say, is a 28 day cycle. We go through all of our hormones and they peak and they go down and they, they have this rhythm to them in a 28 day cycle, whereas men have a 24 hour cycle, 24 hours. So they wake up and they're the same human they were the day before when they woke up. We are not the same human. Like our hormones are changing over 28 days. And so we don't think about that. Um, you know, men produce 70 to 150 million sperm every day, every day. And we produce one egg every month. I mean, our bodies are just operating on such different levels. And, you know, another thing that, well, this makes sense to, when, once you put out there, but testosterone in men is released about every 15 seconds all day long. Every 15 seconds, they get a little hit of testosterone, which totally makes sense if you know guys, right? There's never a time when they're just kind of like not in like a testosterone mode. Whereas women, we have a spike of testosterone. Now we always have testosterone and it's actually our most abundant hormone, but we have like a, a peak that lasts like maybe three to four days. So we're like three to four days against every 15 seconds in men. So when you look at the way men just are operating or the way their bodies are hormonally, we just are so different from them that there's no wonder why they don't get us, you know, <laughs> like... They just don't understand that how I felt, you know, today is going to be so different from a week from today. My body is going to be at a totally different hormonal pool. And that's just the part that doesn't get acknowledged, I feel. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible, though, to know. And, you know, it makes me think about the structure, society, the way it is, the patriarchy. Yes. And so we are actually trying, you see a lot of women trying to adapt to uh, the patriarchy actually model, it, it, that doesn't work. I mean, yeah. I guess they try really hard. And I think I tried myself many years ago, trying to be more like, act, behave more like them because I thought that was how it's supposed to be. That what that was normal was what was natural. Mm -hmm. And it seems, seems like it's still like that for a lot of women, unfortunately. They are not able to well, see 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T- yeah. Talk to me, Heather. You. No, I was going to say, I, I, yeah, well, I mean, you know, between you and me and the whole, your whole audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, this might not be the, the voice of a lot of popularity. I, I just don't feel like women need to try to achieve what men achieve in society. I just don't, it's like apples to oranges. We are not little men. So yes, I'd love for little girls to know that they can do and be anything that they want to. No one says that they can't, but it's not as if that's the path that they should be pressured into. They don't need to become president of the United States. They don't need to become they don't need to all become doctors and scientists. I think it's fantastic if women want to do that and if that's just how they're wired and been gifted. But I believe women's roles in society can be so much better used when I think we're more of the nurturers. And I'm not saying everyone has to be a stay-at-home mom by any means, but to find something that they love that works with who they are physiologically and chemically, I think is just probably going to lead itself to better health outcomes as they age, better relationships in their families. Because I think we're seeing a lot of women, um, they're just boss babes and they're bringing home the bacon and breadwinners and their family. And the roles are just getting a little shuffled a little bit. And I'm not judging anyone for those choices. I just don't think that's the direction we need to push women because I when we do that, we're kind of putting ourselves in this category of men who have a different hormonal profile than us. And so I think we're working against our physiology when we put ourselves in a in a mold that doesn't really work with who we are. We just need to be more aware of it. It's not a bad thing to want to achieve male or female, but just be aware of how it's impacting your health. Mm, wow, that's so yeah, that's an insightful message for all of us. Yes, yes. I remember asking somebody about that question of who you are or, you know, what, what are humans all about? And, all that. and I remember somebody said, hormones. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that question, that yeah. answer, hormones, that's what we are. <laughs> yes, well, we operate from, from that. Yeah, of course, biology dictates a lot. This is such an amazing message, though, and so true. And, you know, you speak of balance. That's what we need, right, Heather? Harmony, because we need to, in order for something to come into harmony, you know, the parts that we spoke of, that's one system when we have all these parts, the heart does what it does. The liver does what it does. They're not, the liver's not trying to be the heart <laughs> and the brain's right. not trying to be, you know, the legs. I don't know, another and Correct. the kidneys, yeah. they all they all have their function, right? They have their responsibility. So, you know, when you, when I listened to you just now, that's what came to me. So, for to create harmony, which we we talk about peace, and it has everything to do with that. To me, balance, harmony, peace—they all go together. It seems like we need to go back to the those fundamental truths, you know, of what we are, who we are, our biology, you know, how we operate, and be true to that and not trying to be something that we are not, uh, that we're not even built for. Oh, I agree. I agree. But there's a lot I see with the feminism. Feminism, we don't, I don't talk to a lot of feminists here, but sometimes I do. And I, I see that the, there's this, this message of trying to be the same equal. I understand equal rights. Yeah, that I agree. But we are not, we're not the same though. <laughs> with, right? I don't, like you say, we're not built for certain things. 
So we can't be like men. Yeah. And as you're talking about harmony and peace, you know, it's yin and yang. It's it's the sun and it's the moon, right? They both have different energy. And if women are just trying to become more masculine and be high achievers and and push through and do all the hard things that men do, then that means the men have to become more feminine. Because in society, you're, you're going to have to create the balance or else it's the system doesn't work. And, you know, my personal thoughts are, I don't think we need feminine men. I think we need more masculine men and maybe more feminine women. I think femininity is beautiful and it's sexy and it's very, it, it's important. It's not a, it's not like a, you know, like an insult to be called feminine and to be considered feminine. That is, I believe that's how we were designed and how we were created. So if one's going to go up, the other has to, you know, come down. There has to be balance and harmony. And I just think we're seeing a lot of issues right now where family dynamics are getting mixed up and shuttled and shuffled. And I don't know, I think there's a lot of confusion out there. And I, I just wish we could accept as a society that women have a different chemistry than men. And it's, and it's perfect, just as the men's chemistry is perfect mm. for them. Yes. Oh, no one my needs to change it. Yeah. Yes, Heather, that's it. Ah, I love your wisdom. <laughs> yes. Yes. A billion times to that. And maybe what we are seeing now that we call like confusion and all that. And have you probably heard about the idea of balance that, you know, before it comes into balance, it goes to extremes first, you know, yeah, it's one of the patients. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that it seems like we are just going through this phase. But I don't know, have you heard of a time in history, human history, where we were actually balanced in the sense of embodying the the masculine and divine masculine and then the, also the I call it divine feminine because it really when we embody really our biology and what we are, who we are, something happens that feels a lot more spiritual to me. Yeah. Oh, I believe for a hundred percent, I would say the less civilized countries or civilized demographics, or if you just go back to tribal nations and tribes, the women had very clear roles and they weren't condescending. It was, that was their strengths. They're playing to their strengths of raising the children and gathering and creating community and nurturing each other. And, you know, the women worked hard. I mean, they weren't sitting around doing nothing. They worked hard, but they were using their strengths. They cycled together, they bled together. They went through these problem solving and solutions all together. And the men did what men were supposed to do because they weren't influenced by society and by media outlets and whatever, you know, pharmaceutical companies to become or be something different. So I do believe, I, I just, I believe we were probably very balanced before, you know, a lot of um, technology and exposure to the way other people do things became, you know, available. Um, and now we just have, it's just kind of off the rails, you know. It's yes, like, yes. It just, yeah. It's crazy. I would love to see it swing back. Mm, um, yeah. that, I, I don't know. It, we'll have to see. It's it's mm. a crazy time. It's hard to say, yeah. you know, what's coming next. Yes, yeah. It's not really a hope. It would be, a, it's a beautiful vision, right? To see everyone kind of embody yes. their own physiology, their own biology in, in just coming from that, creating from that place. That would be yeah. amazing. Without any confusion, the opposite, being clear. Clarity. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful vision. So we're almost at the end. It has been while we changed a little bit the density or the, let's say, the direction of the conversation, but became, to me, a lot more like heartfelt and, and genuine. So thank you for being open, Heather, to these questions. Oh, and thank you for your questions. I love this conversation. Yeah, thank you. And let's see, I want to mention before we say goodbye for today, I have the, uh, these ending questions for you, but I want to mention your services. A one-on-one functional health and nutrition coaching sessions. So with, within that, you offer health coaching, nutrition consultations, health coaching and nutrition bundle. So did yes. I miss anything, Heather? No, I'm actually going to be kind of creating a new platform come January, February that I'm really excited about. It'll be similar, but it will just be a different access to my services. But I mean, in overall, what I, I work one-on-one with clients, I can always do group group things as well, but I, I love the one-on-one. I do, um, I kind of say I wear two hats of, you know, con- consultations. I'm kind of that nutrition, holistic health, you know, expert, quote unquote, where um, I advise and we talk about food and nutrition and, and training and programming and, and that there's that kind of conversation. But the heart of what I do is really the coaching, which we do in six, usually six to 12 or longer. I've coached some people for years, sessions where we're just we're doing some visioning, we're their goal setting. And then we just have weekly coaching sessions that are just, you know, they're kind of like exploratory conversations of what's possible and what's important to you and, and, um, helping my clients then tap into their own expertise in coming up with what their next action step is towards what they really want in their goals or in their lives. So I offer, yeah, I kind of, I offer it all. And I bundle a lot of them where people can have a consultation with me and then we follow up with coaching. And that's usually how it works. Um, we so we'll meet several times, but um, yeah, and I'm always happy to meet new people and hear their stories and, you know, learn how I can help them or how we can work. I'll have the link of your website on this podcast profile. So heatherwalcock.com, that will be, they'll be here. I know I have also your handle on the uh, Instagram handle and the Facebook too. I have both. Yes. So I'll have that here. Are you planning to write a book or an ebook with this content? It's really interesting though, about how to use your cycle to have an awesome life. Well, I feel like the webinar was a good job on that one. <laughs> ah, yes. That's um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's always a book idea in, in your head when you have lots of ideas and you learn information and then you want to synthesize it. So nothing, nothing's getting written quite yet. Um, one of my clients today just said, you need to have a podcast. You need to, you know, have more conversations with people. So who knows? I'll see as a, you know, I've been growing and building a lot. Um, since I moved to Tennessee two years ago, and it's been a huge blessing. God's been very, very good to us here. So I love seeing my business grow and expand and getting to be on different podcasts has been such a pleasure and such a blessing. So I appreciate your time and your conversation, but we'll see. I don't know. I always have something. I always have something going on. I am part of a, I got two friends that we have created a, a um, kind of like a business called Gals Off the Grid. And we hosted a wellness retreat uh, at a lake house here in Tennessee in September. And we're doing another one in February um, to be determined time. We're actually meeting this week to discuss that. So 
I will be hosting wellness retreats. I'm partnering with um, someone out in Utah to put on some retreats as well. So that's something to, if people are following me that they will stay updated on um, as far as I really have a heart for retreats. That's where I really want to spend time with women is in sharing the same space over a couple of days and really working through, um, you know, through breathing and movement and these types of conversations. That's where my heart is. Oh, that sounds wonderful to me. So the information about the retreats will be on your website, my Heather, when it's... Um, I'm on Instagram. And mostly that's the best place. Yeah, that's the best place to find me. Web Eventually on the website, but Instagram is just so quick. Yes, (laughs) that'll be faster to find. Okay, so I'll have the handle there. For sure, will be on your podcast notes. So thank you so much again for your presence. And before we say goodbye for today, I want to ask you this final question that I usually ask everyone. So what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, wow. Um, Okay. I would say one would to be to travel to a place where the culture is completely different from yours and just see how other people on this earth live. Because I think we grow our appreciation for what we have or what maybe we don't have. And we see how humanity operates in different cultural um, environments. And I think we can understand more when we see, we have a broader view of the world. Um, If you're not, you know, inclined to be a parent and not everybody is, I would say get a pet. (laughs) Yes, I have one. (laughs) Yes. And so you are a mom, you are a mother. I think having something else in your house that relies on you, that needs you to nurture it and to care for it. It, it helps us to not be so focused on ourselves and our own schedule because when the dog has to go out, the dog has to go out. When the guinea pig's cage needs to be clean, the guinea pig's cage needs to be clean. So I think um, if you're not going to have kids, then get a, get a furry, something furry that you love to grow another heart for. And gosh, another third experience would be, oh, this is such a good question. Um, I would say to surrender your ego and whether you believe or not, but have a conversation with God or whoever you see as God and just sit in stillness and, and just, um, surrender the ego and talk to your higher power. Oh my God. I love your answers. (laughs) What's not to love about them? Thank you so much, Heather, for being you. Thank you. This has been so fun. I love it. Thank you so much again. We'll be be in touch again. So you take care of your beautiful self and we'll, we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Heather. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Heather Wolcott and her work, please visit heatherwolcott.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.